It's almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the back. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Jason Jones from Mothership and Dirty Soccer. Some of the time, Joe Patrick from 99. The game Dirty Soccer all the time is over there. Joe Patrick, the only member of any media group to cover both 2018 Atlanta United and the 2021 World Series champion Atlanta area baseball team. Joe, how you feeling, man? I'm a record breaker. Still? Put me on the Falcons beat. Put me on the <laughs> Hawks beat. Put me on the Georgia beat. Do whatever you need. Put me on the beat championship guarantee let's, let, let's put joe like just on a hockey beat like not like <laughs> connected to any team and just wait for the yeah, team yeah. To pop up <laughs> again right like it's science <laughs> joe's gonna bring the thrashers back and they're gonna, win the gonna yeah. be amazing. put me on um, the world cup council you know put me on yeah put me on everything exactly exactly joe is the key we have always known this you have always known this um joe unfortunately was not the key to atlanta united playing well last night but but hey Ooh, you boy. know what he's, he's only got so much juice in him right <laughs> yeah. like i, I was I, th- I think he wasted all of it all on, my on the powers were yeah. gone right which is exactly how we ended up with a nil nil draw that was um a slight change of pace from last from from tuesday night to say the least to that say was, the least, I that think was the something. energy levels were were different. I I'm like I was re-entering the soccer sphere, and I was like all ready for you know <laughs> some major league soccer action, and it was not really much action going on, except for you know I guess some at Atlanta United's goal, but even then it wasn't really there wasn't a whole lot of anything going on. It was uh, I don't know if you would call it a bunker or a parking of the bus or whatever, but it certainly seemed like they were very happy to just get out of there with the nil nil draw, which you can't blame them. That is kind of that was a hugely important point for them to get so it was kind of a success in that respect but it doesn't really you know put a ton of confidence in you in terms of the way that this team is trending uh going into the playoffs yeah we might as well say this off the top before we kind of get into the game itself but that was objectively a, a good point right a road point against one of the hottest teams in the league and what it does is it essentially puts you in the playoffs you have a goal differential of seven. You're tied on points with Orlando. Um, and so essentially what has to happen for you to miss the playoffs is Montreal has to beat Orlando. New York Red Bulls have to win on decision day. And then we have to somehow lose badly enough for Orlando City to make up that differential while still losing. So if Orlando lost one nothing, we would have to lose eight nothing to Cincinnati, right? That's yeah. that's the scenario in. It, it essentially clinched the playoffs last night. People are probably aware of this, but just to kind of reinforce it, if you look at the table, you would think, wow, Atlanta United is in a, is still in you know quite a bit of danger after all that. But the key is that Orlando and Montreal play each other on decision day, mm-hmm. so there can only be there can only be one <laughs> that comes out of that. <laughs> so um, so yeah, uh, Atlanta's pretty much secured themselves a playoff spot. I think we can say. Yeah, I'll, I'll consider it. I mean, there's still a lot there to play for, too. I mean, you would have had to have a better result than New York City anyway on decision day to, to get a home right. game, um, even if you had equal equaled them on points last night. Um, so they play Philadelphia. We play Cincinnati if Atlanta United wins and NYCFC loses. Then guess what? You got a home playoff game somehow. Yeah. After all that, 
after all that. And it's not like there's nothing to play for for Philadelphia against NYCFC either. You know, they'll be mm-hmm. motivated at least to like get a draw or something to get some points out of that game. So, uh, yeah, it, I think I read uh, Atlanta United Prospects on Twitter, which is a great Twitter follow, by the way. Uh, if anybody mm-hmm. doesn't follow, he used to write for Dirty South Soccer a little bit. But, um, yeah, he was kind of pointing out this like there isn't a whole lot of a difference between Atlanta United winning last night versus drawing other than the fact that if they had won, they would have officially clinched. And now we didn't because we could lose by eight goals potentially against Cincinnati, (laughs) I guess. Brandon Vasquez is hot. We have to consider. (laughs) In what way? We have to consider both right now. My goodness. He's like, (laughs) he's like genuinely on a tear. We'll talk about it in just a little bit. Um, But man, it could have been worse. The doomsday scenario was the loss. It didn't happen. And I guess we can talk about that right now in sports prime game time. Sports prime game time, Joe Patrick. And man, it's going to be tough to, to not hammer it home over and over again, but it was just a miserable ass game to watch on, on so many levels. Atlanta United had one shot on target in this, and it came in, I think, stoppage time. Right at the end, that George Bellow right shot. End. Yeah, the George Bellow shot that nearly won them the game, which would have been <laughs> yeah, hysterical. That would have been amazing. Because <laughs> it would have been a, a total reverse Red Bulls, you know, uh, from what they are normally about. But no, it was um, it was interesting to me in the sense that when you're looking at the statistics from this one, it kind of fits the mold of what we've always kind of wanted at Lady United to do against Red Bulls yeah. in a way, Joe Patrick. We've talked about this before where Lady United too often tries to just possess the ball in the middle of the field and try to like dribble through and work through the press and it never seems to go right well, right? Like it, you get this torn case, up against Red Bulls when you try to do that sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. And in this case, though, Atlanta United has 43% possession. And you know, looking at that, you're kind of like, oh, hey, they figured it out. Right. Someone finally got it right, you know? And in a sense, I guess they did, but man, it made it tough to watch. Y- y- Can I put out a theory that maybe this was just like the single most pragmatic way to address playing Red Bulls, you know, to, to sit back and then just try to go over the top and hope something stupid happens? And it almost worked. Um, which isn't fun to watch at all, but is somewhat understandable. You know what this game reminded me of? It was What's a that? very Brian Schmetzery, Seattle Sounders <laughs> type of away performance. Honestly, like how many yeah. times have we seen the Sounders come to Mercedes-Benz Stadium and play in kind of a similar way against Atlanta United? I'm not talking about in the intricate tactics and all that, but just making the game completely like unwatchable and disgusting, uh, <laughs> but but getting the result that they want coming in, uh, which is exactly what Atlanta United did. And I have to think that Gonzalo Pineda, obviously, with his, uh, you know, his coming from the Sounders and kind of having that pedigree and that that know how to be able to set his team up to do something like that. I think that, you know, maybe I'm reaching for something here, but I think that that seriously is kind of what we saw. And he's not going to be as concerned probably with the performance because they had this job to do. I am a little bit more concerned about the performance because that's just me naturally as a fan. Like I want to see the team perform well, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, they, they got the job done that they, that they wanted to get done. Yeah, they did. I think, I think if you were to ask him and he were to be candid about it, Gonzalo Pineda, I think he would have rather they, they executed the idea a little better because uh, clearly, you know, Louise wasn't able to get on the end of anything. Zeke wasn't able to get on the end of anything. Nothing, 
nothing was really working in that sense. But you're right. It's it's schmetzery, which is a terrible (laughs) word that I hope no one has ever said before. Uh, It it worked to to the extent it needed to. Let's talk about the um, the tactics and like the formation of the team, because, um, you know, it's a tough one. First of all, very tough for Gonzalo Pineda to kind of field the team that I would like to see or like the, the just like the general tactics that I would want to see when you don't have Joseph Martinez and Santiago Sosa available to you, at least to start for Joseph. Um, very hard to do. But the key to this game or the reason why it was so ugly and the reason why we saw Atlanta United not really able to do much in possession was because Luis Araujo, Ezequiel Barco, Marcelino Moreno were doing a crazy amount of running off the ball to try to just close down Red Bulls and make sure that they were not able to build up right through the middle and, and kind of penetrate them in vulnerable areas so they were having to expend so much energy when the team was off the ball that by the team by the time the team then won the ball they didn't they weren't like it's very hard to then ask the, a player who's doing something like that to then sprint into a position where they can then receive the ball so what atlanta was often what was often often happening with atlanta was they would win the ball back and then really the only players that were kind of available for a pass were the center backs that was kind of you see they would kind of be passed backwards it would get to gazan gazan would try to punt it somewhere in the vicinity of those front three players but again they were kind of so spent and the and red bulls formation allowed them to win so many of those second balls that then the recycle the cycle would just repeat itself and you know and then atlanta united would be defending again so we saw a lot of that happen and i think that you can mitigate that by adding another midfielder (laughs) this team has played with like (laughs) such few midfielders it's actually kind of amazing that they've gotten this far and had as much success as they have um with some of the tactics that they've kind of been forced to implement again i think in this game they're they've kind of been forced into this situation because of the some of the players they don't have available to them um but i think that that's the main reason why we saw this team struggle in the way that it did and i think that if they want to have success in the playoffs i think they got to implement a three-man midfield i think they and i think that you have the only way you can do that is by going to a back four and i know that it, it, it 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 seems crazy i don't know if it's actually going to happen um because Gonzalo Pineda has said before that he likes to kind of have his team in a consistent shape, in a consistent tactical, you know, uh, have a consistent tactics down the stretch, to kind of get them in a rhythm going into playoffs. But um, it's hard for me to see them having much success if they kind of play in the way that they did last night. I guess we have to consider that Santiago Sosa was not available for this one. And at that point, you know, if, if you're looking to add another midfielder, your options were a Marseidic and tyler wolf right mm-hmm. um, they, and sadich is fine and tyler wolf is, is is a baby child still you know yeah. and you don't throw baby children out to the out to the red bulls like that to try and, and be press resistant against red bulls it's just probably not going to work so to, to that extent i understand it um it still would have been nice to see them try literally anything different though I think that was the frustrating thing. You know, you were kind of hoping for we've, we've seen Gonzalo make halftime substitutions before. And in this case, it didn't happen. Not a whole lot of adjustments happened uh, that really seemed like Atlanta United was going to be forward thinking and trying to, to really make something happen. And this one, uh, again, that's somewhat limited, a lot limited by the roster at this point, mm-hmm. as I kind of think about it, um, which are things that can hopefully and will be addressed in the offseason. Um, but yeah, man, it's. Can I, can I make it announce? Oh, sorry, go ahead. I mean, I'm just I, I'm I'm just going to agree with you kind of wholeheartedly here, and I think we've been saying it for a while now that the the back four just seems to make so much sense if Santiago Sosa is there. 
to kind of study things out. I, I, I would make it a, a poker analogy here in this situation, which is that oftentimes in poker tournaments that I don't play in, <laughs> But you will see a player. So like in a poker tournament, right there, you have to like outlast a certain amount of players. And then till you're like in the money. Right. And then like once you're in the money, if you go out of the tournament, then you like collect cash. And so there comes a point in poker tournaments where when you're getting close to the money, players will alter their the way that they play so that they can get into the money. And so that's like getting into the playoffs is like Atlanta's getting into the money where it's like you got to you got to start playing conservatively and make sure you just don't make mistakes to get yourself knocked out of this <laughs> thing. And then maybe we see something different now. You know, we can consider them in. I think at this point, um, maybe we see them do something a little different. I'll be very interested to see if Gonzalo Pineda comes out with a different kind of shape against Cincinnati to try to get his team, you know, get get them some experience playing in a, in a certain way that they might lean towards uh, when they go into the playoffs. But I think that what we saw was a team that kind of had on their minds how important it was to just just to qualify, you know, and I'm sure that that was also on the minds of um, the, you know, Carlos Bocanegra, like obviously yeah. this whole organization, it's so important for them to put to bed the, the, the disaster season that was 2020 and get themselves back into the playoffs where they all, you know, believe that they should be as an organization. Um, and so I think a lot of those factors were playing into the kind of performance that we saw on the field. If that makes sense. Yeah. It does. It does. Um, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, to the extent that we've talked about it before and you kind of already mentioned this metro thing, right? Like the Seattle, I've had a long running theory that Seattle does so well in the playoffs because they limit their mistakes more than anyone else, mm. right? That they don't beat themselves. Um, and while the regular season and MLS is somewhat predicated on winning the chaos, right? Like we've seen LAFC do that by winning a bunch of second balls and everything like that in 2019 and then having the match winners to go and, and make up for any, any chaotic moments, right? And we're seeing New England do that now with their match winners that they have. But in the playoffs, it's always kind of been about how can you make the fewest amounts of, of mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the kind of thing that sets you up to have a very high floor in the playoffs, which is why Seattle has been able to so routinely get in and over the hump in that respect, right? Yeah. So if Atlanta United is taking some of that mentality into the playoffs, I think that's probably fine. And if this was like a trial run for some of that, I think that's probably fine too, especially considering that, again, we're in year zero and a half, negative and a half for, for Gonzalo, right? All right. Like, we can't hold him to too high expectations when when the situation he came into was that situation, you know. Um, so if this is implementing it now and it, it works down the road, either in, in the near term or long term, I think I'm OK with it. Even if, again, it really, really sucked to watch. Yeah. Did any of that make sense? Oh, yeah, for sure. And you mentioned prag pragmatism earlier on in the show. And I think this is Atlanta's. Is this their first ever point in, in, at Rebel Arena? I mean, we've seen, I think it's maybe have, they've not scored a goal. I want to say in Red Bull arena. <laughs> I think that's right. I think Ronald or Dan, um, Ronald Payne, excuse me. Yeah. I'm tweeted that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last night. So, um, if that's the case, then I think, I guess the only other time they would have had a point is if they had another nil nil draw, which I can't think of other than in the Eastern conference finals in the second leg, but not in the regular season. So, um, yeah, I mean, no, the Red Bulls actually scored at the end of that. Oh, did they score Remember, at the end? I think, I think it was like Tim Parker scored. OK, OK. At like huh. the 91st minute, which that game That's was funny. amazing, right? Like if they had they played the, that exact yeah. game last night 
in the second round of the Eastern Conference Finals. Everyone was like, hell yeah. Yeah, I, I know, right? We did it. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So it, it's, I mean, it's not that much different a situation, I guess, considering it did get you into the playoffs. Um, yeah. So, so maybe that should color our perspective on it just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that game, Atlanta had a lead, had a 3-0 lead. So, like, you know, they had a lot more counter-attacking opportunities because Ribble's really coming onto them and they can kind of set up for it in that way, which yeah. I guess you could, you would think that they would be able to do something similar in this game. But, um, you know, th- again, I think that just the ta- tactically, it was very conservative with the three center backs, uh, just playing very deep. It was a deep block. And again, that, that deep block that the center backs were playing in Again, it forced the attackers to to expend so much energy off the ball where you're not really noticing it as, uh, you know, just a casual observer. You're not really noticing a lot of that energy expenditure that's going on among the attackers. And then when you get in possession of the ball, you're like, why can't these guys do anything? Uh, it's because they're dog tired from having run around. And you, and you could sense the frustration as well with those players. Well, like Luis Araujo, he looked just like frustrated uh, at, at the yeah. the disconnection. Um, and so that's mainly what I'm concerned about. Like heading into the playoffs, you don't want players feeling that way. Um, just about the tactics of the team. So again, I think that this was kind of more of a one-off. We'll see against Cincinnati. We'll kind of get some more data points to see like what this team is going to look like heading into the playoffs. But I just, I have to think that what we saw last night was more of a get the job done in however way you have to do it. And we'll just move on with the point that we need. Brings us into decision day now. And again, we, we kind of told you uh, it would take, it would take a lot. It would take a lot for, for this to end up worst case scenario. Right. Um, but it is Cincinnati. I don't know what kind of else more to say about that. Um, other than that Brandon Vasquez <laughs> has five starts this season and four goals and three assists and has kind of been on a heater oh, wow. lately. So that's <laughs> Brandon, Brandon Vasquez has 30 games played and five starts. That is remarkable. <laughs> that and, is the hadn't true he set some sort of, of he set sort of some sort of record at some point, I think, where like with most appearances without a start or something like that. Incredible. At, at one point. Incredible. Uh, he's got three goals in his last four games, all starts. So just so you know, just like out Brandon Vasquez. Um, Damn. That, plus plus revenge game. Plus revenge game. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe he goes off and scores nine. Other than that, we should be fine. That's that's your look ahead to decision day. Oh, my gosh. Look ahead I'm now. looking at Cincinnati's schedule right now. To Holy. What do you mean? What? Well, it's just been. They're bad. One, one two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, oh, nine. It's 13, 10, 11, isn't it? 11 losses in a row. Oh, I thought it was more than that. Um, I thought I thought they had said a uh, well, they have. They have at least equaled the MLS record. They may have broken it for losses. 12, 13, which is 14. Twelve or thirteen. They've lost eleven in a row. Fourteen of their last fifteen. Oh man, Oof. they only have All one right. win since Jul- since <laughs> they have one win since June twenty sixth. It's crazy wow. that Jeff Cameron didn't fix that. Thought he would have <laughs> solved that immediately. All right. All right. You guys had plenty of questions about the playoffs and Red Bulls and everything like that. We're going to head to those soon after this quick break. Before we get back into the show, did just want to remind everybody that this episode of Five Stripe Finals brought to you by Lucid FC. That is Lucid Footwear and Clothing. You can visit them online at lucidfc.us. And I highly recommend you go to their website to actually view the clothing because there's no way I can accurately describe to you within this short time frame the kinds of clothing that they have 
to offer. It's very unique. That's the only thing I'll say. But beyond that, you're going to have to go check it out for yourself. But I highly recommend that you do because you will not see anything like it anywhere. They've got everything to cover you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Literally, they've got all kinds of different clothing, including masks and anything else you would need for uh, the pandemic, of course. Definitely recommend you checking them out. They are local, too. A couple twins are the founders here from Atlanta. Uh, you can visit them at their shop at in Atlanta at 3209 Paces Ferry Place Northwest. It's behind the Whole Foods and Buckhead. Really good guys. I met before and really cool company that they've got going so definitely recommend everybody check it out lucid fc that's lucid footwear and clothing and you can visit them online at lucidfc.us use dss at checkout for free shipping wow what a break what an amazing break the best break michael ask another frustrating red bulls match curious why do other teams have more success against them just this year they have lost three at home nine on the road red bulls are not unbeatable yet they are versus us why and more importantly, why after five coaches can no one figure it out? These are all great questions. And uh, man, it's to the point where I, I don't even know the answer at this point. It almost just seems like one of those things, like a, a statistical anomaly to an extent. But, you know, I, I think some of the way Atlanta United wants to play and what they claim their ethos is for this club does kind of play into struggling against Red Bulls, you know, to be an attractive possession based soccer team is exactly what Red Bulls wants you to attempt to be, wants to trick you into thinking you can be. Mm -hmm. Red Bulls Red Bulls want to build up your dreams. Red Bulls want to tell you that you can be a star <laughs> and then immediately take all your money as soon as you get any kind of success, right? So they're an agent. Um, it's, it's I don't know the explanation for it, honestly. And I think the five coaches not being able to figure out things is, is extremely appropriate for this, right? Because there was always the thought, maybe Gonzalo is going to be the one. And maybe he got closer than some of the others. Again, I think we talked about like how tactically that is kind of how you want to do it, you know, is to make Red Bulls not be themselves, essentially mm -hmm. kind of out Red Bulls, Red Bulls. Mm -hmm. It's just it wasn't executed well enough for it to matter. Joe. Yeah. Well, why I don't I don't have I wish I had more data on this to, to speak about this with a little bit more certainty, but it certainly seems to me like they struggle more against teams that are worse, where they have to try to impose themselves on the game and and break down another team versus a team, a better team or a, a, just a team that wants to play on the ball like Atlanta United tends to do. Um because because that sets up for rebels like they they want people to play into their teeth and then they can just you know gouge them going the other way that's kind of the the pressing that's the ideal thing that's why a lot of time if, if you follow a, a top you know Premier League team um maybe like a, let's say Liverpool for example you know you have a lot of success against really good teams and you also get beat by like Burnley on the road because like you know there's just it, it's harder to to break down certain styles of of play uh, and I think the Red Bulls just they just set up really well to do really well against teams like Atlanta uh, and not so well against teams that are going to sit back and, you know, take the point. And to, to that point, that's what Atlanta United did last night. And Atlanta United got the point. You know, I, I think it, it was a more successful night results wise for Atlanta than it was for Red Bulls. Um, and Atlanta played like Burnley <laughs> last night. So, um, you know, I, I think that that has is mostly to do with it. But it is kind of just crazy how how little success Atlanta specifically has had playing in in Red Bull Arena. Which it makes it even funnier to me and still breaks my brain that Chris Armas did what Chris Armas did. I was thinking about that the entire time last night because it, it's so clear that this team just 
struggles against what Red Bulls try to do when they try to do Red Bulls things, right? Still crazy, but but thanks, Chris Armas. Jonathan asked, with everything to play for, this was how the home team or how the team showed up. How is this even possible? And why should anyone have optimism going into the playoffs? I think the reason for optimism is some of that pragmatism, right? Like Atlanta United has shown to some extent that they are willing to, to maybe sacrifice some principles of regular season play to, to get the job done. And I think that was the most optimistic takeaway from last night. It wasn't necessarily, I don't think about effort. If they had come out with no right. effort, right. I think this would have ended worse. That's where I would take a little bit of umbrage with Jonathan's question about like showing up. Like I thought they showed up. They 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 put in a shift. It was just not the most attractive thing. Um, that's putting it kindly. Like it, it was it was ugly. And I think that they Again, I don't know if it was like intentional or not, but clearly their top priorities were to keep the ball away from their own goal as much as possible and just make it as difficult for rebels to create something, uh, which they did. And so, um, again, that's why I think that the Cincinnati game coming up is going to to tell us a lot more about this team and, and what their objectives are uh, tactically in terms of developing themselves tactically going into the the postseason. But, you know, I thought they showed up, um, but I, I mean, and again, you got the result you want. So I get why a result or, or not, not a result. I get why just watching that game last night would kind of depress you as an Atlanta United fan, just because of the way they played uh, totally understandable. Like that's totally, and it's natural feeling to have, but um I would not put too much stock into the performance that you saw. Let's talk about some of the other performances. The Nick medium star, medium star parentheses, 2021 world series champions tool ask, can we talk about how we're 10, five and three since Einze was sacked, which is good. But for the last four games, we've looked like insert swear word here and have scored checks notes for goals. Can y'all set my emotions straight? Pleading face. A um, whole lot going on there, Nick, <laughs> um, but it, he makes a good point. The last few games have not been great um, as far as from a result standpoint, as far as from maybe even a play standpoint. But I will say besides a couple of, of fluke late goals, Atlanta United has created chances. Yeah, and we've been kind of AWOL for a little bit. You know, we haven't got a chance to discuss those games in depth just because of all the stuff that's been going on. Uh, but, you know, I think we did maybe tried to talk you off the ledge off those games, too. It's frustrating for sure. You know, the team can't seem to finish out games and can't seem to to get the job done. But I think Gonzalo has taken the right tone and approach with that and kind of repeatedly said, you know, it, it's less about giving up a fluky chance on a set piece um, and more about our inability to finish when it matters. Right. Yeah. They're, they're creating chances enough to, to make sure those games don't have those chances at the end that matter. You know, um, it's just a matter now of, of figuring out a way to, to have the luck kind of swing back in your favor. And if that's just a shit ton of finishing practice, you know what? They, they've got a week and a half to kind of pull it off here. Yeah, I mean, they they uh, registered 2.6 expected goals against Toronto in which they only scored one goal. I think did they have a there was some anomaly there. Oh, right. It was <laughs> Araujo's goal. I, I haven't checked the 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 XG for his goal there that he scored, but I can't imagine <laughs> right. that's got to be like the, the highest that you can possibly have from where like the way that the expected goals is going to code uh, <laughs> that goal that he scored. Um, so that was abnormally high, but you still, you, you create a chance that you should have scored more than one goal in that game. Um, now to be fair, you, you, you did not, 
tally of a full goals worth of expected goals against either Inter Miami or NYCFC. Obviously, you won the Inter Miami game 2-1, uh, but you know that that is concerning. And uh, but I think that again, Gonzalo Pineda has said that in some of those instances, it's the team playing a little bit too much and not getting their shots off, um, and just he he wants the team to be a little bit more assertive in those situations. But I think the biggest point in all of this is that we've seen Atlanta United. Um, struggled down the stretch of the regular season before because it is an absolute grind of a season and this team is tired and beat up. Um, obviously we saw last night they were without their full assortment of pieces. Joseph Martinez, of course, did not start and Santiago Sosa, who I mentioned earlier, also unavailable. So I think that that plays a big role too. Like you, you need the, those players healthy with, with Atlanta United specifically and the way this roster is constructed. I think we've learned that, it maybe uh, wasn't as bad as we had feared at some points earlier in the season, or at least Gonzalo Pineda has figured out how to make some pieces work within the context of his tactics. But still, there's not a lot of depth on this team because you just don't you have some total non-contributors. Obviously, you lo- you lost Lissandra Lopez. Kubo Torres is not really a factor for you. Jurgen Dom is not a factor, really, even though he came in last night and, and helped set up that near uh, George Bellow goal. Um, you know, you, you just don't have a lot of depth in, in, in the roster. So you need your starters to be healthy. But I would you know, go back to 2018, the year that they won MLS Cup. They were really struggling down the stretch of that regular season, which included a really bad result really that they could have clinched the supporter shield against Rebels on the road. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just one of those things, I think, that kind of comes with the territory of MLS, which is it's very difficult to 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 play well and attractive soccer at this point in the season. It's a very good point. It's a very good point. Soccer is hard. Always remember that. Always remember that. Um, Soy asks, can someone please with sincerity ask El Profe uh, what his mindset was when he set the team up and tactics for last night's game? I want to genuinely understand what he was thinking when he developed the game plan. Uh, Someone kind of did last night. Uh, Gonzalez said, I would say that I'm half satisfied with the performance. It wasn't the way we wanted to play. We wanted to have more possession. That was part of the game plan, but it wasn't easy tonight. What I will say is that we had a difficult match in front of us with a team that presses with a very high intensity. The team did well. I was pleased with the character and determination of the team, winning many duels, securing the second ball at times. I felt that my players were disciplined in those defensive actions. At the end of the day, it's not always pretty, but we got a good result. Three points would have obviously been better, but I felt that according to the game, we did well. Interesting to me that he says that he wanted more possession. Um, I think he maybe had to say that a little bit, even if he was secretly a little more pleased um, than maybe he'd let on. But I think he kind of hits at the crux of everything there. He's pleased with the character determination, the defensive standing, everything like that that the team had. And I think that was the the most critical part for him. Um, Can I uh, just before you go into your next, just just really quickly on the possession. I do think that if the team could have had some better spells of possession in the game, that would have actually helped some of the forward players just preserve some of their stamina. They were just never able to really control the game. So they were constantly on the back foot having to put in those defensive sprints, those runs to try to deny Red Bulls. Yeah, I think we maybe have kind of glossed over a little bit too and been a bit too generous about the fact that Atlanta United had like six completed passes in Red Bulls half. They had right? five like within was, the thir- first 35 minutes of the game. That was yeah, brutal. That's it was. It was awful. It's miserable, right? And you know what? You can attempt to out Red Bulls them and you can try to pin them back, right? But at that point, once you've pinned them back, you have to try to string some stuff together because... That's the whole point of, of, of going over the top. And football tweeted out a diagram last night of, of his advice for the team, which was to just boot it into the corner. 
you know, <laughs> and have them corner. throw it in from there. Exactly. And um, change, change the level of confrontation, change where the ball is. And you know what? The Red Bulls can't press you in the midfield if you've already bypassed the midfield, you know? Red Bulls opponents um, line of scrimmage was like averaged in Atlanta's half. You got you got to you got to yeah. you got to play the field possession game. You do. You do. It, it, we're we're doing a college football bit, but like this is true <laughs> when it comes to to facing a team like this as well. So we don't mean to necessarily like gloss over that or anything like that. It's just to just to say that it could have been better executed for sure. Yeah. Right? Like the, the ideas were kind of there, but to, to understand them and to, to implement them against a team like Red Bulls is, is tougher to do. And clearly they, they didn't, they didn't do that. Yeah. You know? Ideally you want to create. Yeah. Ideally you want to be able to, if you play in that style, you want to create a threat going forward. But I just felt like Atlanta was a little bit stuck in the middle between the, the, yeah. the, the back line was pay, playing in such a low block, but the, atta- the, the forwards were playing a little bit more advanced. So the team was quite stretched vertically and that just created those front players had to do so much running to try to deny passing lanes. Right. Right. Which is again, fine. If you eventually pin Red Bulls back, you know, Mm -hmm. if you kind of execute that well enough to, to get them on their back foot, you know, and to change that line of confrontation. But again, didn't happen. Didn't happen. That's okay. Probably. We're probably not going to see Red Bulls in the playoffs. Probably. Uh, let's see. Uh, Pierce asked this though. Do you think this three, five, two formation is Pineda's preferred choice or is it just too late? In the season for change changes and C Black asks, will we see a back four this year or is that a 2022 thing? Uh, we we kind of hit at it just a little bit already. I think me and Joe are both team back four at this point. Is, is that fair to say, Joe? I'm definitely team back four. And I also personally don't think it is like too late to go to that. Um, Gonzalo Pineda has said in press conferences that they have trained in a back four. Uh, that they're and and they've Absolutely. done it from time to time, whether that's after a substitution or from the start when they're missing certain players that necessitate that. So um, they're they're capable of doing that. The th- the reason why I, I suspect that it's probably um, more unlikely that it happens is just because I'm still kind of banking on what Pineda told us when he initially came in, which was that he does want to maintain some consistency. That's just his preferred style um, down the stretch. So that's one of the reasons that's the main reason why I wouldn't see it changing, but I think it could, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that it, it's um, only going to be for next year in terms of what he prefers in general. I'm, you know, if you were to ask Gonzalo Pineda, he would say it doesn't matter. You know, he would say like, like I'll play whatever. And that's right. Um, he was one of the prim- the primary coaches that helped change Sounders to a back three this year, I, I believe. Um, but they've traditionally played in the back four. And so, I, I, you know, I don't think he has anything against the back four or wouldn't play a back four. But I think that he, Gonzalo Pineda has clearly come into Atlanta, looked at the squad and rightly said, OK, uh, Miles Robinson, Alan Franco and Anton walks are three of our best players. I should probably build the team around that core, um, which you can't deny that thinking. But I think right now, Anton walks has fallen out of form just a little bit. And I just think that the team would be overall um, in better position if they were able to play with three midfielders. It's not necessarily uh, Anton, like a knock on Anton walks. It's just sometimes you have to find the tactics that best suit the team and allows all the players to to play at a better level. So that's what I would do. But I, I honestly don't know what Gonzalo Pineda is going to do. I don't know either. I don't either. But my gut kind of tells me that he will 
stick with it. We kind of already talked about the practicality of it and everything like that. The back four seems like a a move for the regular season, if that makes sense. So you may very well see it to, to start next year. I, I could see that happening, especially if there are personnel changes coming, like we assume there are, right? And, and, uh, yeah. And I think the back three would look a lot better if you had Santiago Sosa and Mateus Rizzotto playing next to each other. Like uh, we've yeah. seen that combination work before with this back three and they're able to do a lot of the things they want to do on both sides of the ball <laughs> um, to borrow a phrase. So, yeah, I think there are are some reasons outside of the tactics that that last night was so poor. Um, again, having Joseph Martinez in that team would would work a lot better as well. But um yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, which kind of brings us to this next question from B. Mildenhall. Ask how will United adjust their style of player formation in the playoffs? Do we go more defensive and less possessive? I wouldn't be shocked. I, I think the biggest thing, though, is just getting folks healthy. Like those things will feed into each other if you have Santiago and you have Joseph, right? Like both of those things will be improved theoretically. Now we just have to get them healthy. And unfortunately, there's a long break here, you know? Um, yeah. So I think they'll be confident in their ability to take care of business on Sunday against Cincinnati, even if they don't have Joseph or Santi. I don't think either of them are going to be rushed onto the field at any point, you know, and with the break coming up, uh, I think they'll take their time kind of getting back and, and getting them ready to go. And at that point, uh, both things should improve mm-hmm. at that point. So you maybe don't have to, to pick a, a direction, I guess, to play. You just kind of have to go out there and, and do what you know you already can do. This team, this team wants to play with the ball. Like, you know, yeah. when we you talk about tactics and you talk about philosophy and the philosophy of this team is always going to be to, to play with the ball, to be the team on the front foot, be the dominant team. Obviously, we didn't see that last night. And again, there are reasons why, because it was so important that you secured the point last night that it kind of trumps a lot of, you know, what you want to do philosophically and all that. But I think that this team will, um, again, I think we'll see them come back to their normal selves. I honestly think playing against Cincinnati will be a nice confidence booster for this team. I think they'll see the, <laughs> they'll see the ball go in the back of the net a couple of times and they'll be able to create some of the chances maybe that have been more difficult to come by over these last few games. So I think that that will help as well. And I think that, yeah, I mean, when you play in the playoffs, you're always going to have a little bit more of a defensive bite to you, to you because, you know, you're just playing with your you know season on the line. So goals are even more important. And we just traditionally see teams set up in a style that's maybe a little bit more conservative than the, what they do in the regular season. But I think that they did, I wouldn't let last night's game color like your perception of like what this team wants to do when it's on the field. We'll go to this one from from Bill Gluckman, who asked a timely question here. It says, when is Santi going to be fit? We desperately need him for the playoffs. I haven't seen any indication or heard any indication from Gonzalo that it'll be longer than uh, it, it, the playoffs. You know, I think he will be back for the playoffs unless there's something that we just don't know or he reaggravate aggravate something. Is that your understanding as well? Yeah, I mean, I really don't have any idea what the what the injury is. I, this is still the injury where he like waved uh, to come off against NYCFC, yes. I think was the That's game. Right. So, yeah, um, I'm not sure what that was. But, you you know, that when a player like says, get me off the field, that it's somewhat serious. And obviously we've seen him miss a few games. But aside from that, I have no idea the severity of the injury, unfortunately. And the, the club guards these things like uh, government secret. So um, I don't know if we ever ever will find out until we start seeing him back in the lineup yeah and i will say he hasn't been at training the last few times that media have been allowed to be there um so that is something to keep in mind but i feel like they would indicate if he was going to be out longer than the playoffs you know i really do think it is a day-to-day kind of thing that's my thought usually they would put out a press release if he's like out for 
if he needs a surgery or some, you know, right. some kind of, yeah, some something major. He may just need rest. Yeah, yeah. that's totally OK. Uh, Pierce asked something that you kind of touched on, Joe Patrick. He says, is it just me or is Anton Walks form fallen off? You said it had. Uh, can you explain that just a little bit more? I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's uh, I, I don't know how, how to explain it, really, just other than generally what I feel like I'm seeing. Um, it, it's not a huge knock on walks himself. Like, I don't think he's a bad player or anything, but it's just uh, maybe part of my perception is that I want to see the back four so bad that I'm like kind of <laughs> wanting walks to come off because I feel like, he, you know, if you're going with the back four, I think it's pretty obvious that you would run with Alan Franco and Miles Robinson as your back two. So maybe that's kind of coloring my perception of it as well. But um, I don't know. He just hasn't seemed as sharp. He's not as like aggressive in the tackle, like in terms of just like wanting to jump in and dive into a tackle. He's more of like a conservative center back. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's my feelings. Have you thought something similar or different? I think that's kind of being colored by there have been moments of let off in particular. I think back to the the Montreal game where he struggled, you know, mm. and uh, I think those things are kind of standing out just a little bit because he you're right. He is more conservative. He doesn't quite make the same outstanding plays as Franco and as Robinson. Right. So if you're yeah. not doing that and your floor has lowered a little bit, it does make you look a little worse. Right. And I think that's maybe what we're seeing just a little bit. Doesn't mean he's bad. Doesn't mean he's playing badly. Maybe just not as quite as sharp as we would like to see or as quite as sharp as he was at the beginning of the year. If that mean, yeah. 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 I think that's right. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, we'll get to this last one for or not the last one, but one of the last ones from Smurphy, who says, who do you most want to see in the playoffs? Because I think it's none of the teams currently <laughs> above the line. That's a that's a good point. Let me look at it right here. Currently, if the playoffs are today, we would play NYCFC at Yankee Stadium. That's not enticing at all, especially considering that NYCFC have woken the hell up ever since they scored that late free kick against us. But they did have to score a late free kick against us to do that. You know, mm-hmm. um, honestly, I think that's your best choice right now. I, I would rather them. Although Nashville has been kind of hot garbage lately. Yeah. Nashville has like one win in their last like eight games. Yeah. Um, that could very well end up being being the matchup as well. I was gonna say um, I was gonna I say Nashville. It. I was gonna say Nashville too, but then like Nashville's undefeated. They've not lost at home, which is insane. Home, right. <laughs> um they've got eight draws. Like they've they they've got eight wins and eight draws and no losses at home. So it's not like they've been amazing but to not have lost is is impressive i'm curious have have you noticed anything about their style of play or their home form at all since uh football season has started because i was just noticing this a few a couple weeks ago watching the titans play at home on monday night football and i'm like man that field is getting destroyed uh and i'm not yeah. sure if that would actually impact the team like atlanta united's ability to kind of play with the ball on the ground and do the intricate things that they like to do you know um it might and that kind of puts you in the place where both teams that you're probably gonna see in the playoffs are gonna have some kind of weird home field advantage right whether yeah, that's right. playing on a pitch that's too small or a pitch that's not that great so that is something to, to kind of go ahead and worry so, about. Isn't that fun? So let's let's uh, look at it like this. The teams we could play in the playoffs real that we could realistically play in the playoffs would be Philadelphia, Nashville, NYCFC. And is there any other possibility? Like, are there any other teams that we could potentially be matched up against? Like, are, would we consider yeah, totally. Orlando we, we, and Red we Bulls? We could lose and then um, Orlando could win. Yeah, okay. And that would put them. Orlando would be my number one who NYCFC. I would want to play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think absolutely. Right. Yeah. The way they've been struggling, the way they kind of match up with us. I think that would make a lot of sense. 
So Atlanta's had We're, success in that, that stadium. That won't come back to bite us in any way. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, yeah. I, I I, it just feels like a cop-out answer because they're clearly the worst team of, you know, any of the top <laughs> and more likely teams we might face. And they may miss the entirely, face. which would be the right. best case scenario here, honestly. Yeah. I, would, I wouldn't mind that at all because it would be funny. I would uh, let me do it like that. I would rank them. Orlando would be my most favorite. And then it gets really tough after that. But I would just I would still say NYCFC number two, Nashville number three, probably Red Bulls number four. And Philadelphia is the team I don't want to wouldn't want to play the most the team. I absolutely don't want any part of right now, especially considering how they play against us. Don't yep. want any of it. I think Red Bulls, you could squeak out a win. Philadelphia, I'm less confident of that. Just a Yep. Just I agree. Damn. Uh, Tony asks, rank in order, which Atlanta championship was the best? He gives us a few options here, four options. The 1995 World Series, the 2018 MLS Cup, the 2021 World Series, and the 1990 Georgia Tech National Championship. Well, first off, that's the last because you shared that with Colorado. (laughs) So you have half a championship. Congrats. That doesn't mean anything. That's nothing. You you would almost (laughs) rather not have anyone, any of them, you know. So great work, Tech. Great work. Um, <laughs> we're going to offend some people here. That was probably. Um, yeah. Uh, guys, look, Delaney United's only been around for, for a little while here. <laughs> we should we should talk about we should talk about the whole um, major the first type championship since 95 or whatever. I was seeing <laughs> some people get upset about that. Don't get mad. Just don't, don't get, get mad. mad. Don't you still have your trophy? It's fine. it's fine. Everyone else is having fun. We're all having fun here. Everyone. Everyone be cool. You know, just let people have fun. And I um, and I might say that 2018 is maybe my favorite, my personal favorite amongst personal favorite. amongst and the, it can these still four. Be your personal favorite. Yeah. However, um, <laughs> there will be about like 600,000 people at this debt gum parade tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And that was not necessarily the case for Atlanta, which had a great turnout for the parade. It had 73,000 people there for Endless Cup. That ruled. That's not to diminish anything Atlanta United did. But there are there are generations Upon generations of, of Atlanta Braves fans here right, um, right. and across the region and everything like that. It's just going to be a little bit bigger of a celebration. And that's just kind of the way it is. Um, you so, know? so 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 to, to answer the question clearly, my top four, I would put MLS Cup at number one. 2021 World Series at number two, 95 World Series at number three. And honestly, I wouldn't even include 90 Georgia Tech. Like, doesn't mean anything to me, honestly. Um, not that I'm not like a Georgia Tech to- fan or a Georgia fan. I just like that. To me, that like doesn't even belong in, in the conversation. <laughs> this is going to offend so many people. But I would yeah. say for Atlanta, it would be the 2021 World Series as the would top this list. I think so. That might be recency bias, too, just because I, I think recent recency bias plays into it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but My for family some people, had just it does moved feel, to like a, feel like a weight lifted, you know? Um, and for it to happen in Houston, of all places, where 28 to 3 went down, I think was some nice poetry. Mm-hmm. So it, it, that meant a lot to, to more people, I think. And remember, I think it's I think the way if we're going to like intensely think about things that don't exist, the the Georgia curse might have been ended with Atlanta United. But Atlanta, the Braves, the baseball team still had to overcome the Olympics curse because Atlanta United was born after the Olympics. Didn't have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so that is what the Braves broke. And I think that is also worth celebrating in a, in a major way, you know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Everyone just have fun. Everyone just calm down. Good luck. <laughs> Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy yourselves. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <clears throat> um, Michael Thornton says, it's 929 a.m., 44 degrees and raining. I can't come up with a decent question. Sorry, guys. 
please don't kick me out of the fandom, Michael. We Shaking never, my we goddamn head, we Michael. Never, not at one point. We will, however, put Joe Patrick through rapid fire happening right now. Oh, Parker shit. asks, are we the Sounders now? Yes. <laughs> no. We're not good enough. <laughs> we're, yeah. We have to win MLS Cup first doing this before we yeah, consider ourselves Sounders. Yeah, we have to win MLS Cup after having no shots on, on goal the <laughs> yes, entire time. Yes, Which, I mean, <laughs> if no we look at last night, there's precedent. MLS Cup final win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's precedent. Who's to say that doesn't go to extra time and we don't bullshit our way to a trophy? Um, <clears throat> Smurfy asks, does God stay in heaven because he too lives in fear of what he has created? God stays in heaven because there's a hot tub. Smurfy stays there. Why would he leave? Shay Adam asks, how's the World Series hangover going? I feel great. I went to bed early last night. Joe went to bed early last I night. My first I was early night. Like, yeah, Joe was up to like 4 a.m. I was up to like 2 a.m. Just excited. Joe had work on Tuesday night. Uh, but I think we've both recovered now. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Yesterday was definitely ATL, a hangover, but yeah, it feels great. Yeah. ATL Greg 1 asks, now that Atlanta area baseball team has broken the decades-long championship drought. Get it late United. Finally win one. Uh, good bit. That's a good bit. I appreciate that, Greg. I think they're going to be fine. I don't think it happens this year, but this this core group they have right now, I think they can win one. No MLS Cups this decade. Shaking my head. Come on, guys. Um, Smurfy asks, what do you think next year's away jersey will look like? Uh, Hopefully it's not white. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. That was my only thing was that it just isn't white. Does it have to be? I thought it like had to be some white or light color, but it doesn't be a light color. Okay. But it doesn't have to be white, you know. Philadelphia has their light blue ones. Other teams have have different colors. Just, I hope they learn their lesson. I just do. Um, Shannon asked both games versus New Jersey and then nil nil and continue and combine for the most boring 180 minutes of soccer all year. Besides the two point, why are Red Bulls? Red Bulls are because nothing says energy drink like zero zero draws over 180 minutes. That's why. Uh, four card says, who do I need to speak with to get a refund for the two hours of my life I lost last night? Uh, talk to Rob Ushry, uh, R-O-B-U-S-R-Y, at him on Twitter. He'll hook you up with a refund. Uh, and PH asks, do you think Abraham Lincoln could dunk? Now, I want to start this by saying Ooh. Abraham Lincoln was about 6'3", 6'4". Right? I thought he was taller than like that. Him. that. Wow, I feel like his height was really overrated in my childhood. Well, like, you know, compared to everyone else at the time, he's a giant. That's true. Right? I forgot that we've grown you know, as a species. And in, in, in American presidents, I think it's him and Washington who are the tallest. I don't think anyone else has been taller than them necessarily. Uh, keeping in mind, though, Abraham Lincoln was a wrestler. You know, maybe not a whole lot of fast twitch muscle fibers on Abe. Wrestling was a bit different at the time. Mm. You know, the log splitting a bit different. Not a whole lot of jumping. Also, no, think, no modern footwear for for good old oh, Abe. Yeah, true. So I think that true. if he could, it would he would have to go off barefoot. Oh, brutal. Yeah, six four though. I mean that that's a huge advantage. I just don't think, I just don't think he's gonna have like again the fast switch fibers to, to explode enough to get up and and get the ball. I, he could have palmed it. I think he would have been able to palm the ball. That's key. We'll see. Here's my thing. I'm about to give my answer. Okay. I think he could yeah. dunk one of those like miniature balls. That you can just like hold in your hand that's like oh, about okay. about this size you know like a souvenir ball i think you could dunk yeah. one of those but i don't think you could get in a full basketball i'm gonna say he couldn't dunk i'm gonna say he couldn't do either okay not on the first try or, or whatever not on like the first like five tries he would have to work at it <laughs> can you, you imagine him like out. getting himself like 
doing his doing stretches and stuff like before he runs up and tries to dunk. Now it's just a funny scene to think about in my head. <clears throat> it's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. The first good question. Everybody's tried to do that in their high school gym, like really work yourself up and then go up and try to touch the rim. Oh, totally. <clears throat> totally. I did it once. It's the best day of my life. And that was the best day of my life because that was rapid fire, <laughs> Joe Patrick. Um, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, no, no, nothing else other than it's good to be back with you, Sam. Sorry that I kind of went AWOL there. Um, duty called, I guess. But uh, oh, hey, speaking of that, um, we're going to have plenty of stuff coming up on Patreon as the playoffs come your way. We're going to try. We're going to talk about the show right now on the show. Uh, we're going to try to get Jeff. We're going to try to get Matt Doyle back on to preview the playoffs. Um, Jeff did a great job, I thought, as as color guy yeah. last night. I don't know if you're able to listen to it. Some poor guy Patrick, had to but, had to try to analyze that performance. I've kind of felt bad, yeah. but got really got, he got into a flow there at the end. I could tell he was yeah. a little little more uh, comfortable in his position and is doing a good job. Did yep. a very nice job. Um, so we'll get him on. We'll get a couple other folks on, hopefully, as well. Patreon.com slash five stripe final for all your stuff leading up into the playoffs. Yeah. And uh, first of all, just really appreciate everybody who is a patron. I know I feel bad because like people have been messaging me in there. I've been seeing them kind of come through, but I've just been busy a lot and not able to respond. But we there was some discussion about postseason content. I'm going to be doing a lot of football manager stuff. Um, <laughs> if anybody was kind of remembers from the pandemic, I did like a football manager kind of essentially a playthrough with Atlanta United in Europe uh, for Dirty South Soccer's YouTube channel. Going to do something, well, pretty much that exact same setup uh, on the new Football Manager game coming out for the offseason. So in the and, and if anybody else has uh, any offseason ideas, uh, we'll, we'll keep it coming. So uh, feel free to hit us up in the Patreon or in the Discord. Discord. God bless y'all. God bless y'all. All right, one more game left. Here we go. Bye, y'all. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content piece.